Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where we chat with startup founders just like you from all over the globe. Each episode, we bring you practical and actionable tips to help you escape the cubicle and begin your own startup journey. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. Here's a quick word from our sponsor, Podbrand Media. As a business owner, new sales leads are essential. At Podbrand Media, we create a branded podcast for you to generate those leads by interviewing your best potential clients as subject matter experts. Not only creating great rapport, but also great content to share in your industry. Affordable and effective. Contact us today at podbrandmedia.com to learn more. Uh, just coming back off a break. Yeah, I want to introduce you to my guest today on Rising Tide Startups. His name is Jordan Schindler. Jordan, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Kevin, great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a fun conversation. So I am anxious to, uh, I, I, hey, folks, I did ask the question that everybody is thinking about when they see the name. There is no direct relation to the, the guy that, that uh, had the list or the elevator company, he assured me. But <laughs> on, in his own right, this is an amazing young guy here. So Jordan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I am the uh, founder and CEO of New Fabrics. So I, I started this company in college 10 years ago now uh, when I suffered from bad skin and learned about the link between your pillowcase and bad skin. And so as you sleep, dirt and oil builds up, clogging your pores and went to the dermatologist and uh, was recommended to wash my pillowcase two to three times a week, which as you can imagine, as a, a college age male was never going to happen. <laughs> But uh, that, that's what got me thinking about truly, how do you create a benefit from a garment or fabric, something that contacts your skin all day, every day? And that's really the foundation behind new fabrics and, and healthware and the, the category we've created. So it's amazing. I mean, when I, when I first heard this, I told you I had watched a couple of previous interviews you had done that I, uh, I thought, you know, most college kids are sitting there that they're just trying to figure out okay what can i do to make money for the weekend and you're like trying to solve world hunger i mean it, this is a major major undertaking that you took on this is not like i'm going to open an amazon fba store or something i i think two two points there one probably i didn't realize the amount of undertaking <laughs> i was getting into and uh i also was just doing it to solve a personal problem right i think at the end of the day entrepreneurs can relate to things that matter to them, right? And it just felt like something I was trying to, to solve for myself. So I got to ask you, have you ever thought of or tried to take this on Shark Tank? So I actually have been on Shark Tank, uh, co confidentially. The, the episode actually did not air. Um, they do not like sort of deals that happen on the show and then ended up falling through afterwards. But uh -huh. Yeah, we, we have gone through it. It was a pretty interesting experience. And to sort of see the the behind the scenes workings of, of all that stuff was was pretty interesting. So it is such a unique category. I mean, it's like, you know, the FDA has got to get involved. The, you know, um, probably other government agencies have to be involved. You have to have constant testing, independent testing. I mean, it is it's such a a unique, I guess, intersection that is so highly regulated have you have you you know how you survive just banging your head on the regulatory dam that you keep running into yeah i think it's it's a really good question and it's it's this intersection between traditional pharmaceuticals and apparel 
that is is really uh, what sets us apart, but also it created a lot of challenges in terms of of the scale up, right? And so you, you mentioned a couple of them, the regulatory side, right? You have to deliver a consistent amount of dose. It has to be completely safe, yeah. right? You have to go through all the FDA compliance side, but then the textile side is almost equally as challenging, right? Like you have to have all of these things. It has to be comfortable. It has to stretch. Mm-hmm. It has to wick away moisture. It has to go through wash cycles. It has to withstand detergent, right? And this intersection of all these things uh, was was quite difficult for us to to solve. I mean, it took six or seven years until we actually got a product on the market. Um, but ultimately, to me, I'm not a regulatory guy, right? It's it's all about how do you surround yourself with with smart people that mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah. Uh, our head of regulatory came out of the prescription drug industry, actually working on hydrocoating tablets, and that's a level of rigor that we've actually had to bring into our supply chain. It is it is such an interesting uh, approach that you've taken that. That um, I mean, I, I think you you mentioned in a in another interview you you had done, you know, you took a China trip, which I'd love to you to chat about a little bit, and also you'd just done some like independent research, like you know, hey, I googled it, you know, or whatever the equivalent was ten years ago. But uh, walk us through kind of the the early stages of of uh, you know trying to get the ball rolling a little bit here. Yeah, happy to. And I'm sure there's sort of similar experience starting up a podcast, right? So I'm sure you've got some some interesting insights there and just sort of how, how do you do it? Uh, but for me, it was really just how do I even start? So like a lot of people, you get on Google and started researching patents and eventually got connected to uh, chief science officer that was doing work for drug delivery inside the body. And so we had a number of conversations about how could we relate that technology to, to clothing and, and outside applications and then really look to see what existed on the market. I, I did not set out to create a new technology from scratch. Um, I, I frankly assume something like this already existed. It's, it's a lot of the comments we get from people. It's like, this doesn't exist, yeah. right? Like, um, and, and a lot of the challenges that we came across were there was nothing in the market that could withstand numerous wash cycles or deliver a consistent dose. Mm-hmm. And unless you can deliver the same therapeutic dose as a cream, pill, or patch, you're never going to be a replacement. Right. And, and that's really what it's all about for us, right? It's about simplifying health and wellness. It's this intersection between core pharma and apparel. So you don't have to remember to take a pill or use a messy cream or stick on a patch. You can just get dressed in the morning. And, and that's really this healthware value proposition that we've worked to create, but it's really a lot of one foot in front of the other, what exists. And, and someone said it the other day, they're like, wow, this is truly an overnight success, 10 years in the making. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I think that's, that's a great analogy for entrepreneurship in general, right? You don't see all the leaves and the hard work that grow under the soil for 10 years. And then one day it suddenly magically appears. Well, I mean, one thing just to have the perseverance to stick with this, you know, for the length of time that you've done it before it, you know, it's, it's just now starting to show some benefit, you know, and some, I guess, generate revenue in its in its wake. And but the idea that you, you know, this isn't just like spreading, you know, medication on a Band-Aid and sticking it on your skin. I mean, the the fact that you've got to build in the ability for it to to it's almost like a maybe a time release thing like you know like a time release capsule type works where uh, is because there's no mechanics involved right yeah it releases via skin contact so that moisture and sweat similar to how a transdermal patch works and so our technology and our secret sauce is how do you deliver an ingredient through a garment 
and then it lasts for multiple washes. So you can have, let's imagine a, a pain reliever, a topical analgesic, mm -hmm. and a knee sleeve, a back wrap, a t-shirt, or it might be athlete's foot medication in a sock or even Rogaine in a hat, right? Like there's so many different applications here, but it's really all about how do you create simplified behavior for a consumer so they don't have to use a cream and a brace or and a sleeve or a garment. So I'm, I'm curious how you have survived the, um, the takeover, you know, opportunity. Like I, why hasn't some company that, that creates, you know, athletic braces, you know, that has kind of cornered the market there that you go into CVS or target or Walmart or whatever, that's all you see is this rack of the same yeah. brand, you know, why haven't they just said, this is great. We, you know, Hey, here's, here's $500 million. We're done. You know, we're or hundred million or whatever the magic number would be. And say, you've got the technology, we've got the delivery, you know, let's make a deal here. And yeah. then you go to Tahiti and figure out what you're going to yeah, do. Yeah. I next. mean, on, on some level, they, on some level they have, right. But I think for us, there's so much more here in terms of actually creating a category. Yeah. So we've gone to market with pain in sleeves and braces, right. Which is one vertical. You can buy our products at Target, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, but pain is just one example of what we can do. Right. And we really want to create and grow into this platform that mixes pharmaceuticals with apparel. So you can imagine a Lululemon garment with a lay moisturizer, yeah. a Nike sock with icy hot. And so while we might sort of spin off the pain relief division for us, then it's rinse and repeat and go after antifungal, go after sleep, go after recovery. And we believe that there's so many broad partnership opportunities in the marketplace that there's just so much opportunity left to tackle. It doesn't make sense right now. All right. I mean, I, I fully understand, I fully <laughs> understand, but there's a, there's a wide range from eating ramen at university of Washington to, you know, somebody writing a check with a lot of zeros, you know, after at, saying, no, I think we're going to, we're going to stay the course here. We, there's a, it's a, it's a big world out there, you know, that we're, we're looking at. And uh, just the whole idea. I mean, when I first, first heard of, of, you know, what you're doing, I guess the first thing that came to mind was just like, okay, this, this is like another Tommy Copper version, you know, or something like that, where it's like, you know, they just built something in the, there's, there's some kind of mineral or something in the process. And, and, you know, it's like, this is, they're claiming this, this works, this other company's claiming this works, but this is so much different because you're using garments with known solutions yeah so we're a drug delivery company yes. at our core right we're taking known therapeutic ingredients and delivering them to the body right, right. so think about something like a, a, a copper additive as outward facing right like you don't actually want a dose of copper delivered into your bloodstream right it would be toxic um in, in, in this case we're taking a capsaicin right or a menthol and we can actually measure how much dose that's being delivered into the skin and, and that's really what it's all about. It's a more convenient drug delivery vehicle, a la a cream, which it's sticky, it's messy, it smells. Yeah. People don't usually measure out how much cream they use um, or a patch, which is not necessarily reusable. It falls off in the shower. Everyone gets dressed in the morning. Why not just put on a garment that has and can help solve your health ailments? That is, that. I mean, the, just the idea of, you know, that no one has... And maybe they've attempted it and just haven't been able to crack the code. I mean, I, 
there's a there's a lot of skunk works going on in companies out there that you know never come to the light of day you know that but uh it's it is so interesting that you've you kind of identified this and and do they do they have a shelf life like is it you know the the braces i think i think actually you you know thank you very much by the way you sent me a couple of of braces I never got to use them because my wife beat me to the post or beat me to the mailbox and opened them and was having knee problems and had been wearing them ever since. So um, I'm going to have to get her on as the, as the, as the, the uh, you know, the, the uh, spokesperson for your, for your we can definitely get, get some more sent your way as well. <laughs> any, any feedback is uh, always appreciated. Good no. or bad. It's uh, it is it's amazing. I mean, just the fact. But yeah, I guess the the basic question was: Is this? I mean, is it good for a month? Is it good for three months? Is it good for till? Is it is it by item that the it has a longevity? Yeah. So any drug product has a shelf life. So you, yeah. if you look at the bottom of our product, you actually see an expiration date and a lot number. And so we can actually track that back to which knitting machine it was made on, right? Which a lot of of raw materials. Because at the end of the day, it's a drug delivery product, mm -hmm. right? And so the shelf life on our products is, is two years today. Um, and we have actually conduct our own stability testing in sort of hot and cold climates to, to validate that, right? You can imagine if it's going to a cold store in Alaska versus a warm one in Arizona, you have to validate, hey, that's not going to affect the release rate of, of active ingredients, right. which it doesn't. But all of that stability testing to your earlier comment on, on regulatories is all stuff that we had to do before we could even put a product in the market. And the, I mean, are there doses built into this? So like, I'm thinking if you've, if you've just kind of taken cream and fabric and put these things together in a delivery mechanism, there's a, there's a quantity of cream, you know, that, I mean, I, I need, I need to use it three times a day. So I would run out of cream. I mean, or is this just like a, maybe I'm not quite understanding. Is that a kind of a dumb question? I just asked you. No, no, not at all. Right. And that's or... actually. That's actually how we determine dose, right? We are not inventing new drugs. We're, we're taking known therapeutic ingredients and delivering them in effective levels. So in this case, the FDA has a monograph for topical analgesia, and they say, here are safe, effective levels for use one, two, three times a day. And if you do that, here are the claims you can make. Temporary relief of minor aches and pains, associated with strains, spasms, bruises. And then we work backwards to ensure, hey, the right amount of that medicine within that monograph range is delivered in an eight hour day or a 10 hour day. And so we can actually adjust that dose, both in terms of how much of the yarn goes into, or how much of the drug goes into the yarn, and then how much is actually in that physical garment itself. So imagine like pixels on a screen, yep. with that precision, you can pinpoint where each yarn goes in the garment. And so a sock, you might only want pain relief in the ankle or in the toes. And so we could have 10%, 20%, 30% of our active yarn in the garment and can thus increase or decrease dose appropriately or by garment. This is, this is amazing. I mean, I, I can even think of, I've got my entrepreneur gear spinning too. I mean, I can I even think it. of like, you know, weight loss and, you know, things like, I mean, it's like, how are you wearing like a, almost a weight belt, you know, that has some form of, you know, vitamin delivery or something that, you know, that is known to contribute, you know, to weight loss um, or, or even a, even an appetite suppressant, you know, that type of thing. I mean, those they are just, and like you said, it, it really is almost unlimited, you know, possibilities and um, well, is it, yeah, it's crazy. Part of the fun. And I think also part of the challenge, one of the biggest lessons we've learned, I think is in staying focused, right? Yeah. Like 
there's so many application areas and you can be an inch deep and a mile wide, right? right? And so you got to focus on pain first and then let's rinse and repeat and go to all these other applications and, and find the right partners to keep scaling. So have you, have you noticed, um, since you have gotten a little bit of notoriety out there, have you noticed some, uh, like drug companies, like major players in the market that are going, Hmm, there's a, there's something here. We need to, we need to pursue this, you know, how to, let's buy a few of these, let's reverse engineer them in our lab somewhere type things. And I would be, I would be shocked if that wasn't happening. I mean, I I think our incentive, right, is, hey, we've built this infrastructure and I I think we have a good IP portfolio, but it's also about a supply chain, right? And so Mm -hmm. someone like J&J probably doesn't really want to make socks, right? Yeah. And someone like Nike doesn't really want to make drug delivery devices. Yep. And that, that intersection is where, where we play and where we think we can add value, right? And, and, and the goal here is, hey, J&J, right? Why don't you take Tylenol? And we've already developed it, but now we can give it a whole new market opportunity, right? And so you think about that application, would J&J love to actually sell those in sporting goods stores, mm-hmm. right? Or would Nike love to be able to sell them to pharmacies? There's multi-billion dollars of market overlap between those two things, which we believe we can offer to potential partners. What about, uh, I mean, people suffer with migraines, you know, so severely. I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, myself like included. Lightweight skull cap that, you know, had some kind of delivery of, you know, um, effective, you know, migraine medication that could go right in the, in the skin or the bloodstream type thing instead of, you know, having to take it orally. Um, I think you mentioned one that I think is an extraordinary um, use case is uh, Alzheimer's Alzheimer patients, you know, um, the just, you know, struggling with dementia, you know, that, that they can remember to do basic functions, but they, you know, they would not remember to take medication type thing. So uh, you, I think you had a personal experience of that yeah. very thing. Yeah, yeah, my grandpa unfortunately suffered from from Alzheimer's for for a number of years and could never remember to take his medications, right? But interestingly, still put on a sock every single morning, right? It's just it's built into our human nature. Yeah. And if you can simplify things for people, simplify medicine, I think there's a lot of value there. I mean, there's a huge percentage of the population that can't take pills, right? Or doesn't like taking pills or getting injections. And if you can help make those people's lives a little bit easier. I think that that's a win for folks. Well, not only that, I mean, there's a, I think there's a safety factor involved too, you know, especially if they're happen to be, you know, without complete 24 seven care somewhere. I mean, it, you literally could save their life, you know? By... Well, and, 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 and sometimes, I mean, we, we joke about it, right. But like overdosing is a, a massive part of, mm. I think today's medical environment where it's pretty easy to take a pill pretty hard to eat a t-shirt right like silly but kind of true and then i mean it's there's that whole compliance and simplified behavior there where maybe it is a little less risky i mean i can think of like burn victims you know that that wanted to wear you know like apparel instead of just having bandages you know all over them so delivering the same the same you know treatment but Anyway, this is your co- company, not mine. Um, but uh, I, man, you had, you certainly, I, I think it's you. You should set up like just a YouTube channel or or Instagram or something where people just send in ideas of things that you can do. <laughs> you just have that generated in in the background so that somebody can just kind of run that channel on their own. But 
I I'm curious, you've, you've been on a number of different podcasts and, and ask a lot of the same similar questions, but I, I want to give you a space right here in the middle, kind of, kind of just open it up. What is something that, that podcasters don't ask you about that is, is either personal or related to, you know, new fabrics, the, the whole idea that you just want to take, take a moment here and just share. Yeah, th thanks for the question, and, and one I certainly <laughs> certainly haven't gotten before. I mean, I, the one that immediately comes to mind. I mean, you you were talking about migraines. Uh, that's that's actually something that I, that I suffer from. That I don't think I've I've shared with folks publicly. Um, and it and it to me, it's a pretty interesting intersection between sort of entrepreneurship, work, and health, mm -hmm. and very specifically, like, like my migraines are pretty typically stress related. Like I, I can almost tell you when something super stressful is going on. Uh, I like classic example of like we bank at Silicon Valley bank. So that whole old nightmare a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago and like yeah. that, that triggered a migraine. Um, and so it's, it's really for me been this balance of like, I'd love being an entrepreneur. I love doing it, but making sure to balance that with, with health and well being. And, and migraines are a very real part of that for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's, it's something that's, that's happened more recently. And so it's been an interesting sort of how do you navigate that? Because I'm I'm quintessential like I just love doing this. It's it's fun. Like mm -hmm. I would be at work all day every day answering emails if I could. But it's how do you sort of balance that health side of it? And the migraines are something that's sort of my body telling me, hey, you really have to balance these two things as important to to live a good life. So that that's been a big one. I'd, I'd be curious to hear from from you as well if there's anything that that comes to mind or. You don't talk about or i think you're oftentimes behind the microphone so anything that you want to share about i i think the 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 thing that that i i think about at some point in time in every interview and i don't ask this question nearly as often as i as i normally would because i, I maybe because i'm thinking about this myself so often but just the whole idea is if i wasn't doing this if you weren't doing this what would you be doing and I, and I'm not talking about, oh, I'd start a, I'd start, you know, I'd start a podcast tomorrow. If I wasn't doing this, I'd start it again. I'm talking about something completely different. Like you shut the door on the past, you know, the same general basic soft skills are available, but, but not the sit, not experience, not, you know, resources and not the connections that you have type thing. So what would you do? You know, if you need to provide for your family, you need to kind of release this entrepreneurial dna that you've got built into you you know that's that is the question that that i i think about a lot and, and what would you I, do <laughs> that's a great question i, I don't yeah. think i've ever nailed that i think i think it's interesting because i i one of the questions that i do ask sometimes that do you think entrepreneurship is is nature or nurture is it is it genetic i i think i believe that there is a genetic code i i really believe that i think a lot of people can be business owners and I think they can start things and they can create a business. But I think to be an entrepreneur, and I think you, you mentioned this too, you, I think you have that, that DNA in your, in you that you're, you're driven to create, you're driven to, you know, generate something. I, I think that's different. I think that's a, that's, that's where we get this idea, almost a serial entrepreneur, you know, and, I completely agree with that. I mean, it's where do you sort of derive your energy, right? Yeah. What makes you excited? And I think that's different things for different people. I mean, 
for me, right, at an early age, I mean, five, right, six, trying to sell all my parents' possessions at a garage sale, right? And, like, not necessarily to make a couple bucks, right? Like, I didn't have any use for it, but just because I, I got value out of it, right? And yeah. I loved going to garage sales and storage auctions and tried to start whatever business I possibly could, because, mainly because I enjoyed it, right? Like, it's just a part of who you are. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think some people are fortunate that they have households or they grow up in, in families that can sort of nurture and support that and grow yep. it easier. Yep. But I think there is that inherent biological component definitely in me, right? Of This is something that I really get energy from. You know, though, I, I agree um, 98% of what you just said. The only, I'll take it. the only pushback that I, that I would, I think is that it's certainly a benefit and an advantage to being born into circumstances and to being supported. But I also think that that ones that have that genetic structure really deeply ingrained in their DNA, they will find a way to overcome just about any obstacle out there. And I, it's interesting to see, I mean, I've interviewed people from more than 30 different countries, almost 300 different startup founders, you know, in the last five years. And it's, it's, there have been people that have come from absolutely nothing and had everything against them and somehow they figured it out. And then there have been people that have a lot of advantage that are, you know, that you can just see, they just kind of wasted that opportunity and they're just onto something else. And they're always OPM. It's always other people's money that they're using and they're just kind of generating this activity, you know, out there. Um, but it's, I, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question and, and just the whole idea of, you know, the genetic disposition of needing to build something, you know, and um, it's, it is so fun to sit on this side of the mic and just to hear, you know, the stories of founders and, and just the things that they've had to overcome, the reasons that they, they started this. And, you know, some of the best, the best, I think, companies, the best products, services that were, that were created out there were built out of the entrepreneur's personal need and yours was, I mean, another, another great story. You know, you had skin issues in college that you, you know, you had to deal with. And so it's, you know, now you've got migraines. That's another, you know, issue that you probably had just set a meeting on your outlook calendar that just said, Hey, next week, we're going to convene a little think tank brainstorm. <laughs> one hour talking yeah. about my there, there, there you go right the next product <laughs> in the pipeline so it's i mean what do you think about that i mean does it matter what what you're working on i think there there is definitely the personal component of something that i can relate to mm -hmm. that i think give, gives me energy but at, at the end of the day i really just like building creating working with great people and it's it's a lot of the, the freedom too um, that entrepreneurship gives you. I mean, I was reflecting on this the other day, right? Of like, to your comment, if I wasn't an entrepreneur, right? Do I really have to do this? Do I want to do this, right? Like I reaffirming my choice. Like I really like being an entrepreneur. That's why I do this. This is a choice, right? Um, and sort of re reflecting on where do I get my energy? And it's in the creation side. It's new things, mm -hmm. it's new ideas. And I think that's one of the things I feel so fortunate about new fabrics is that like, it's not just one product, right? Like every day is so unique because yep. there's so many different use cases. There's so many different people that I think we can help. And, and that's really part of the, the fun and the value in, in creating new fabrics. 
I, it's interesting you just mentioned that. It, it kind of generated another thought in my mind about this whole idea of, of the nature versus nurture and genetic you know, structure of an entrepreneur. Another thing I think serial entrepreneurs are good at is starting things. They're not always good at keeping things going, and they're not always good at running companies. They're great at starting companies and maybe even starting an idea that a company has grown around you know, type things. So do you find, I mean, the, the, it seems like you've kind of almost, you've got the, the perfect antidote for that. It says, you know what, it's, uh, we're creating new stuff all the time. So there's never this staleness, you know, that might set in of just trying to maintain. I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, every day is sort of a unique company, right? A unique, a unique challenge in a sense. One day we're making a pain relief knee sleeve the next day we're making a melatonin pillowcase right like those are almost totally different companies and they're yeah. they're different brands that we actually work with to create that and in a lot of these cases right i can relate to it personally as i mentioned and so that actually sort of keeps the fire keeps the fuel going and, and then it layer on sort of right accountability to employees raise capital right having outside investors myself my family included i think a lot of that sort of keeps keeps the fire going of one foot in front of the other persevere at, at all costs so you you've uh you've got uh in in other chats you've had other interviews you've had you were asked a question um once that i, I was trying to take notes this afternoon and, and probably was distracted at that moment because <laughs> I, I can remember that it was very profound but i can't exactly remember what it was but there were you were asked a question about you know what are two or three like life lessons you know, that are really driving principles. And normally I, I frame the question a little differently. I, I asked like, okay, if you were talking to an entrepreneur that was five years behind you on the path, you know, give them the, the two best lessons you think you've learned, you know, the hard lessons you've learned. But I want to, I want to reframe that a little bit and give you a little more leeway on how you answer the question. So what are two, just give me the top two things that, that, kind of drive you or even lessons learned, whatever, what you, you take it in ever, whatever direction you want to take it. One of the, the best and just a quick thing that I've ever done for myself, I think it's got a business coach. Uh, I used to be sort of totally anti, I don't, mm -hmm. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't need a business coach. Forget that. Right. It's like, to me, it's a little bit like therapy, right? Like I think people's stigma around that. And I just found a, a fantastic business coach, uh, been there, done that. And it's just, it's someone that you can talk to that's unbiased, that mm -hmm. really you can't share some of these things with the rest of the organization, right? You can't talk to your team about sort of potential layoffs, right? right or some of these issues. And it's really just given me a private space and it's two hours a month, right? It's not significant. And it's really made meaningful differences in my business. So I would strongly encourage folks to explore that, uh, whatever stage of, of growth they're at um and the other one that i really like is just an, an analogy that i use around uh swimming to the next buoy that's it like imagine imagine ding, ding, your, ding, which chicken dinner winner right here yeah that is Just it a, 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 imagine that you're you're in the ocean right and like the world looks very one way right maybe you're in the middle of the ocean all you see is ocean and any direction and then swim another five minutes one way and suddenly land emerges right or a seagull emerges or a buoy emerges and it's a life raft right it rescues you and and there's one of these things that like even small actions 
could have an immediate change on how you view the company and how you view the world. And I, I can't understate how many times that's happened to me of like, even, Hey, no investors ever going to invest in this thing. And then, all right, well, one guy puts in 25 K and then his 10 friends that also put in half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's, Hey, we're never going to get a retail partner. Well, we got Walmart and now we've got target CVS Walgreens. And it, it, honestly, it's one email. It's one phone call. It's one response. I mean, there've been so many times where I'm like, ah, do I really want to send this LinkedIn message? And like, that's the one that the person responds to. Mm. And then that just totally changes the mentality of where the company is. And I think that's really one of the big things that I, that I think about a lot. I mean, what a way to wrap us up today. I mean, just the whole idea. Did, did you coin that phrase or did you hear that from somewhere else? Or what's the, what's the origin of that? I am sure I heard it from somebody else, probably my business coach. <laughs> and it's it's funny, my, my brother has a company actually as well called Bowie. And that's actually how I remember it every time. I'm mm-hmm. like, swim, swim to the next Bowie, <laughs> swim to the next Bowie. Uh, I'm sure it's an accumulation of a lot of different people's wisdom. Well, when you when you get a chance and, and your, your life settles down in the next three to five years or whatever, which I doubt it will happen, but if you get a chance to have a ghostwriter write a book, that's got to be the title of the book. So... Uh, you know, you got that. You got to write your your CEO novel about how how we built this company, and it's got to be swim to the next buoy. That's that's the that's the name of the book, or the podcast I, you're going to do. That you know, you and I are going to do a podcast called Swim to the Next Buoy, and we're just going to interview people about about that very thing. Or you're just going to continue to tell story after story. So we're going to make it. that happen. I love it. Got to make it happen. Yeah. Jordan, wrap us up today with uh, just just a, a closing thought, and I don't think you can top the swim to the next buoy, but uh, I'm going to give you the space and tell people where the best place to find you online and find out about my products. favorite my favorite thought to leave people with is next time you're getting dressed in the morning, think about what health benefit your clothing is giving you, or not, and maybe you should check out New Fabrics. So feel free to check us out newfabrics.com n-u-f-a-b-r-x and then please feel free to reach out to me at Jordan Schindler on, on LinkedIn. Always happy to chat with fellow entrepreneurs. If anyone's looking to get into textiles or biotech, happy to try to point you in the right direction. But very much have enjoyed this this chat, Kevin. Thanks so much for, for having me on. Jordan, thank you again. I really appreciate you just taking the time and just really playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Man, have a great weekend. Thanks again. You as well. Thanks. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Make sure you follow up with our guests today and show them the support they deserve. As always, thank you for listening and playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide.